Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Good morning, church. It's David, and I want to wish you a happy new year. Here's hoping that 2021 will be amazing. Here's also hoping that your neighbor stopped shooting their fireworks off sometime near New Year's Eve at midnight. And if you were that neighbor, God forgive you. (laughs) Well, even though it is the new year, and actually we are in the season of Epiphany, I really want to still focus on Christmas. There's just been so much to process this year, with 2020 being the year that it was, but also Christmas being the wonder that it always is. I want us in this light to turn our eyes and attention towards a question that I have for you today, and it's the following. Do you know a herdman? Herdman spelled H-E-R-D-M-A-N. This name might sound a little strange to you, but let me give it some context and hopefully that will explain it. The Herdmans are actually a family and this family is found within a play, a book, and I think it's even been made into a movie called The Greatest Christmas Pageant Ever. It was written originally by Barbara Robinson in 1971, and the Herdmans were better known as six children who were known to cause absolute chaos. There were, let's see, Leroy and Ollie and Gladys and Imogene and Claude, and last but not least, there was Ralph. These Herdman Six were just the absolute eyesore of the town. Their parents were of no account. They were known to smoke cigars, and their favorite activity was stealing lunch money from hapless kids, as well as trying to close one another in the automatic garage door at their house. It was utter chaos. And yet, somehow, these Herdman children found themselves inside the church. It all happened when Charlie, a well-intentioned church-going boy, told Leroy that he could bully him all he wanted to and, in fact, steal his lunch money whenever he wanted to because he was going to go to church, and at church he always got snacks. Well, wouldn't you know it, the next time the church doors were open, all six of the Herdman children were there. And it just so happened to be at Christmas time. The children's director came before them and began to explain that they were soon to prepare for the Christmas pageant. And as the Herdmans listened to the starring roles, they soon made their play to become the stars of the Christmas pageant. 
They moved others out of the way, sometimes with threats and other times with mean words. But sure enough, all of them found themselves in what was to be the greatest Christmas pageant ever. Imogene was going to be Mary. Gladys was going to be the angel of the Lord. And Leroy was going to be one of the wise men of the Orient. And on that night, that Christmas Eve night, they all came together and the following happened. Yes, despite the chaos, yes, despite the craziness, God used them in powerful ways, which is a refrain that I want you to remember because you'll hear it throughout the entirety of this sermon. Imogene, as Mary, cried real tears as she held the baby Jesus Gladys, uh, with exuberance, shouted to all to hear, Hey, you, you, unto you a child is born. And Leroy didn't feel like the frankincense, gold, and myrrh were enough for baby Jesus, so he brought him the welfare ham that had been left at his house and placed it at the feet of the newborn Savior. As the parishioners left that day, they left with tears in their eyes, all of them saying it was so real, just like it might have been on the first Christmas. Yes, it was the greatest Christmas pageant ever. Herdman's is not just a fictitious family name for these six kids in some town in America. If you think about it, it was carefully chosen by Barbara Robinson because, in fact, It's a noun. Herdman is a noun that is defined as people employed to look over animals. In other words, shepherds. Robinson was making a clear connection between her work and the first Christmas story that involved shepherds, herdmen, people like the six herdmen children that were a little bit rough around the edges, who were not everyone's favorite people. Oftentimes we look at the shepherds around the manger scene and we equate them to those Christmas pageants of our own upbringing in which these glimmering-faced children dressed with towels wrapped around their heads and in borrowed bathrobes from their dad look so beautiful and pure, but the real shepherds of Jesus' day were not that type of people. The first thing you need to know is that they were unclean. Unclean because, well, tending to animals and walking around what the animals do is dirty work. But not just that. As a result, they were seen as unclean spiritually. They could never be ritually purified in order to enter into the places of worship that the Jews demanded during that time. They were untrusted. They were oftentimes seen as common criminals, thieves who would take your things at the first opportunity, but also people whose testimony would not be allowed in any court for any type of witness. 
the last thing that you would want to know about the shepherds of that time is that they were just unwanted. It's not that their work kept them on the outside of the town so their animals could have pasture, but speaking more to the point, it specified their location away from the people on the other side of the tracks where they wouldn't come into contact with the decent folk of society. Yes, unclean and untrusted and unwanted as they were, these were the people that the angel of the Lord appeared to on Christmas Eve and said the following in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had come to see him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. All who heard it were amazed and at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. The shepherds, unwanted, unclean, untrusted as they were, were still used by God to do amazing things, just like the Herdman's in Robinson's work, the greatest Christmas pageant ever. Think of it. Not only did they hear the message that the angels were saying, they then followed that message in faith, almost like a scavenger hunt of sorts that I, as a youth pastor, so often facilitate for students. They gave them clues to follow. You'll find the baby here wrapped in cloths with his mom and his dad in the manger. Find that and you'll find the Savior. You'll find the prize of your life. But not only so, think about how these shepherds left the manger scene. It says that they went throughout the town giving glory to God and praising God his name, and telling all who would listen about the miracle that they had just seen. Uh, yes, before Peter or John the Baptist or the Apostle Paul, the shepherds, these broken, unwanted, untrusted, unclean people were the first missionaries 
for Jesus Christ. And true to the gospel message of grace and welcome to all, all who heard it were amazed. Yes, for these herdmans too, the original herdmans of the first Christmas, God used them in powerful ways as well. As I've reviewed the notes from the best Christmas pageant ever, as well as the silent night, holy night that we just read, I couldn't help but think about herdmans that I might have known in my own life. Have you ever known a herdman, that rough around the edges type person that you looked at with an untrusting eye, but then in a moment they taught you something so powerful and real? Well, in my life, my herdman went by the name of Terry. Terry was a former youth of mine, and uh, Terry stuck out like a sore thumb. He was about twice as big as any other kid his age, and he had a big, bright red hair on top of his head. He was one that was always causing distraction in those moments when you were trying to bring people into that moment of worship or that moment of truth. It would be Terry, sure enough, talking in a loud voice in the back of the room, or awkwardly falling as to grab the attention of his peers and to get them to laugh. Terry was also one who was oftentimes not feeling the love of his family. You see, Terry's mom was an addict, and he had never met his dad. He was raised by two grandparents who were wholly committed to him, His grandfather worked tirelessly to support he and his sisters. And his grandmother, as sick as she was, was the one that ensured that Terry was at church because her boy was going to hear about Jesus. Her name was Suzette, and so often she would call me to talk about Terry. She knew that Terry was a handful, but She also wanted me to know that Terry was a good boy. She had a lung ailment, and so even listening to her on the phone was hard because I couldn't quite make out the words she would say between deep gasps. But oh, how she loved Terry. Terry was also a youth that was hard to motivate, although not impossible. One time, uh, another adult leader and I took Terry on a bike trip. We were going to go down what was known as the Doodle Trail, similar to the Greenway that's in North Augusta. It was relatively flat and easygoing. It was going to be about a 12-mile round trip. And I knew that after about two miles into this trip, this was not Terry's cup of tea. (laughs) We struggled, we labored, and Terry was at the point of giving up and throwing his bike aside. When I told him, Terry, do you like cheeseburgers? Oh, yes, Mr. David. I love cheeseburgers. Well, buddy, if you get on that bike and finish this distance, there's a cheeseburger with your name on it. But but, hey, Terry, this cheeseburger place, it closes at 12 o'clock sharp. And if we're not there, 
we can't get that cheeseburger. <laughs> I've never seen a youth get on their bike and pedal so fast in all my days. Terry was also a bit of a fighter. You see, even though mom was an addict, he still loved his mama. And people at school knew just how to pick at him, saying something about his mother that would surely goad him into throwing blows. I think he lost as many as he won, but for every fight, he got suspended from school. I would call him on those days and say, Terry, let's talk. What happened? Mr. David, they made fun of my mama, and you know I don't like that. Yeah, Terry, I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> then there was that time where Terry disappeared from church. It was the middle of the worship service, and I remember seeing him walk down the stairs sometime during the preaching moment. I don't know where he went, and I didn't really think to ask. Until after church when a few choir members said, I think someone came into the choir room and took money out of our purses. Well, it wasn't too long after that we found the money. And you know who had it, don't you? It was Terry. <laughs> he hadn't spent a dime of it. It was still neatly folded and kept in a safe place. Once again... Not a bad boy, but just one who wanted attention and to be noticed. And Terry was this herdman figure. He was complicated. He was hard to figure out. He was rough around the edges. Sometimes you cringed at what he might do next. But yet, as the herdmans of the greatest Christmas pageant ever or the shepherds, God used Terry in powerful ways. One distinct way that I remember when Terry taught me something about Christmas was one season in my life when I felt incredibly discouraged. It might be a shock to some of you, but ministers sometimes feel like they're up against it, like times are hard and nothing is going their way. They're ineffective. Maybe they've even been mistakenly called and they need to find a new line of work. Such was the season in my life at that time. And then Terry came to our year-end Christmas party, and he gave me a gift. I don't know how he got it or where he got it from. Maybe it was five-finger discount. But it's how Terry gave it to me and the message that was behind it that gave my heart great courage he said, Mr. David, I, I want to thank you for being my friend. And I wanted to give you this just to say, Merry Christmas. Well, for me, a young man who was feeling discouraged to receive such affirmation and acknowledgement and encouragement from a student meant the world. And Terry gave that to me. But that wasn't even the greatest lesson he taught me. The greatest lesson Terry taught me wasn't even at Christmas, but months after his gift to me. It was during a hot summer day, and I got a call. Terry's beloved grandmother had taken a turn for the worst. 
they were operating on her at the local hospital and her lungs just couldn't hold on. She had passed away. As it was a Sunday morning, I got the call to go and see Terry at the hospital. And there he was with his grandfather and his two sisters as they gathered to grieve and were with his beloved grandmother. Then, out of the corner of my eye, a new person entered into the room. It was Terry's mother. As the reality set in that her mother had passed away, she nearly collapsed, and I believed she would have if it hadn't been for Terry, who caught his mama and held her up as she wept, saying, it's okay, mama, it's okay, don't cry. Grandmother's in a better place. Yes, Terry was a herdman, but Terry had heart. And God used this young man in powerful ways in teaching me things that I will never forget. And he brought me to a realization that we all have a herdman within us. That's actually the title of this sermon, Finding the Herdman Within Us. I, I believe each and every one of us can catch a glimpse of a herdman that is within us. Maybe they don't go by the name of Leroy or Ollie or Gladys or Imogene or Claude or Ralph or the Shepherds or Terry, but they go by your name. For within us all, there is moments where we realize we don't feel like we belong, that maybe we're unclean, unwanted, untrusted. Maybe we are on the outside of things looking in, and we can't make sense of this mystery called life, and many times this mystery called faith in Jesus Christ. Of all years in 2020, I think the herdman within has been exacerbated to a point which we can't deny that we too are weak and fragile human beings. And perhaps we do things that aren't in our character, but they are cries outward so that people will look at us and see that we are in fact present and we have value and worth too. And as we look forward to 2021, I think it's okay to say, that's who we are. I hope you see the herdman within, because I surely see the one that is inside, David Hughes. But God has a word for all of us herdmans, those who are present within our listening audience, as well as those who are listening through our webcast or on TV, because God wants to use people exactly like us because even though we are broken and afraid, God yet will use us in powerful ways. Just like those on the first Christmas night, God speaks to you and to me to simply hear 
the message of the gospel. Hear the message and the call of the angel that is for everyone and anyone. You are invited to to come and see the Savior and you cannot be uninvited for any reason. There is no issue in your life, no secret in your past, no fear of your future that can keep you outside of the grace of God that is calling you to Bethlehem and see the Savior that is born unto us, the people of God. Hear, O church, and hear people outside of the church that this message is for you. The next part of that message for all of us is to receive that message. So oftentimes we hear things from God almost as if they're like things that we hear on the news cycle or social media. We just simply keep scrolling saying, well, isn't that nice? We never take that moment to simply take that news which we are hearing and personalize it to our lives and saying, this applies to me. The Savior known as Jesus Christ came for me. I receive that in faith and I will use it as a guiding source for my life. And the last way that this news transforms and calls us is to share. Just like the shepherds left praising God and leaving everyone who would hear amazed at what they were listening to, so too are we called to do likewise. You'll notice that if the shepherds can do it, there are no pre-qualifications. There's simply a heart that is bold enough and joy-filled enough to look at other people and say, just as I heard it and just as I received it, it's for you too. So to bring this to a point, I want to invite all of us into what I call the Herdman Challenge. You'll complete the Herdman Challenge at the beginning of this new year in the following way. And I know there are lots of New Year's resolutions during this time, but hear this one as a special one to help deepen your knowledge and understanding of God. I want you to take one of these following three chapters from Scripture, whether it be Luke 2 or Matthew 2 or John 1, and I want you to read them several times throughout this week. And as you read them, I want you to truly hear the proclamation that is being spoken over you and to you, and to know that, yes, it is talking to you. The Christmas story is for you. And then as you are hearing it, I want you to receive it. And I want you to do that in a special way, through prayer, through speaking it aloud or through journal. I want you to tell God how you are receiving this invitation to come and behold a Savior. It can be simply writing out, God, I receive your gift 
of a Savior in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've said that many times before. Say it again. And if you say it for the first time, my friends, welcome to the kingdom of God. Receive that gift in verbal or thoughtful or written ways. And then last but not least, to complete the Herdman Challenge is to share it to other people. Don't get scared. You don't have to go up to a perfect stranger and begin sharing the Christmas story with them. Think more simplistically. Look to your children. Look to your grandchildren. Look to your spouse. Look to your friends, your neighbor, the person that sits beside you in your Sunday school class or the person you're going to call on the phone during this New Year's season. Tell them the scripture that you are reading and this word in your own words. Make Luke 2 your story to tell them Matthew 2 or John chapter 1, the same way. Share this story and see the amazement that can take place. Oh yes, this Herdman challenge is for all of us. And for the Herdmans we have within, as broken and as challenged and as bewildered as we might be, God yet will use us in powerful ways. Blessings upon your new year of 2021. And may we, as a people of God, continue to walk forward in faith of a Savior who calls all to come and see him. May we pray? God in heaven, we thank you for this powerful word as represented through your holy scriptures. May we, as your people, know that it speaks to us. May we receive it, may we share it, and may we acknowledge the herdman within. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.